Well, this week, things kind of changed for a lot of us. School started back. Yeah, all the moms. Yes! Uh, it, was, uh, it started Thursday, and uh, it was a drastic change to what has been, was it not, for those of you who have kids? Uh, we have learned over the years that uh, we kind of need to prepare for the starting of school. It's almost like you've got to do, start doing a detox of summer uh, to get ready for the school year and to be successful at that, some of the wisdom things we've learned. This year was odd for us in that we only sent two of our three kids back to school because uh, the other one has graduated and we take her to college next week, and, or this coming Thursday, and so that's kind of a new phase for us, uh, kind of exciting. But what we realize is that we have to, especially our boys, they're going to freshmen and sophomore, uh, we have to help them prepare. And so starting on Monday, uh, the staying up till 3 o'clock uh, starts to end, right? We kind of wean that back a little bit because if you're going to be out the door by 6.50 to get to school, Staying up till three and beyond is probably not a you know, recipe for success. And so uh, we start that process around Monday and we say, okay, listen, school's coming. You know, you just kind of, it's kind of weird. We don't really tell them exactly when they're supposed to go to bed. We just start giving them wisdom hints. You might want to think about uh, going, you know, because our, we kind of believe that experience becomes a teacher. And so, uh, you know, if they're going to stay up late, they still have to get up and go to school and, and suffer the consequence for that. And so we start that process with them a little bit. Uh, but we started with them and just started saying, hey, you know what's great for the first day of school? If you prepare a little bit. So let's, you know, pack the bag beforehand. Let's do the lunch, you know, make the lunch beforehand. And let's, let's get ready for school. And they were kind of all in. And, and they recognized this. This isn't their first rodeo and year going to school. And so they started doing that process. They're making their lunch. Uh, for us and our family, uh, soccer practice started back up. And so getting into that rhythm as well and, and getting the, those things done and those lunches made before we go to practice so that when you come home, it's a little bit more relaxing. And uh, they did all those things. And then the next day, I took them to school and I came back and I opened my refrigerator and there's one of the lunches, you know, sitting right there. And I'm like, ah, oh, you, can, you can give wisdom, you know, so much, but eventually, so I took a little snapshot of it, took a picture and I sent it to the, uh, to the one who forgot, and I said, hungry, question mark, right? He sent me back a picture at lunch with an empty table going, yes, indeed. I'm like, yes. So we're hoping, you know, this Monday he'll remember those things and, and kind of be a little bit more prepared. But it's certain wisdom that makes things a little bit better, makes things a little easier uh, as we learn over time. And, and some of us applied that this week uh, with, our, with our kids. Wisdom is one of those things that we totally see the absence of. When we're watching a movie, a lot of great movies uh, are started and built on the absence of wisdom. I mean, think of some of these movie lines. Not even God could sink the Titanic. And you're like, oh, really? Kind of know where that one's going. How about this? There's no way these dinosaurs could escape these electric fences. Right? The assurance that the electric fences will be great. Or even a different genre. Uh, there's a serial killer in the woods. We should split up. <laughs> you see the absence of wisdom, and it makes for a great story. It makes for a great movie. And, and we kind of, we were like, oh, man, this is going to be good. I know where this is going. I know what's going to happen here. We see it, too, in, in our friends. You know, when, when, uh, especially when you're around high school students, and they say something, they're like, what's the worst could happen? Perfect time to pull out your phone and, and record it, because pretty much the worst is going to happen, Right? 
And, and there's going to be a time where you kind of see that lack of wisdom. A lot of the YouTube videos that are traded back and forth, they start with someone who doesn't have wisdom, and we get to enjoy, you know, kind of the, the benefits of their lack of wisdom through a video that makes us giggle. Uh, all, all of that starts with the lack of wisdom. We do a great job of recognizing when wisdom is not a part of someone else's life. We're, we're great at pointing that out because we kind of see what's coming next and what's happening. But here's the question. Do we pursue wisdom when it's missing? In, in our own lives, do we run after wisdom? Do we try and, and, and put it into our lives? Do we pursue it and not just laugh when it's missing? Do we pursue it? Because if we are embracing wisdom, if we are running after wisdom, uh, Scripture tells us this, we're embracing God. We're running after Him. And, and the pursuit of wisdom eventually leads to God. And so we're going to take a look uh, at wisdom this morning and one of the Proverbs. But before we do that, would you pray with me and uh, ask God to, be, uh, to, to lead our time together? Uh, Father God, we recognize this morning that uh, you are the creator, you are the sustainer, uh, that you are the source of all wisdom. Uh, Lord, uh, it is very easy to recognize when it's missing in other folks. And sometimes it's hard for us to see when it's missing in our lives. And so, God, I pray that this morning <clears throat> that you would uh, speak through your word, that you would encourage us in the areas where we are running after you, and that you would point out maybe some things in our own lives that, uh, that we need a course correction. We give you freedom in our hearts today, Lord, to do that. God, I ask that you would just move me out of the way and say the things you want said this morning. It's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 2 this morning. Now, uh, Proverbs uh, has traditionally been connected with Solomon, uh, partly because of, you know, he's traditionally connected with wisdom, but also because Solomon's name is mentioned in several of the Proverbs. Uh, it's not really Old Testament history, although it's in the Old Testament. It's not prophecy. It's kind of in that poetry and wisdom literature right in the middle of that. And it is, uh, you, you won't really get kind of history of Israel stuff from there, but what you get and what, how it's written is basically daily practical living towards godliness for the individual uh, Israeli uh, at, at the time. And so there's a ton of wisdom for us. Originally, it was designed as a training manual for wealthy young men that were entering into government service or community leadership, and it inspired daily practical living. And so we come here to chapter 2, and uh, we get this wisdom. Uh, the first section here, verses 1 and 2, what you're going to hear is just basically pay attention to wisdom. Pay attention to wisdom. Let's read it together. Uh, it says this, My son, if you receive my words... And treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. You'll see kind of this, uh, the, the way the first few verses are formed, uh, you'll see this if you uh, happening three times. Uh, my son, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this. And it, it, he's setting up these three conditions that as you move towards wisdom. And so this first one here is if you receive my words, treasure up my commandments, 
making your ear attentive, inclining your heart. Uh, That term there, making your ear attentive and inclining your heart, in the Old Testament, that's often associated with what one desires and what one chooses. And so to uh, incline your ears, to desire, to, to run after wisdom, to move your heart or incline your heart is to, to choose wisdom for your life and, and, to, and to walk in that way. And so you have these three, uh, these three conditions that come up. Uh, the first one, it says receive. And, and, and basically, that's for us with God's word, right? How do we receive God's word? Well, one of it is just by opening up and reading it. As we spend time in God's word each day, learning what he has for us, seeing what he wants for us. Uh, you have the treasure up. Uh, how do you treat God's word? Do you, do you meditate on it? Do you, do you toss it over in your head uh, during the day when you've learned something? Do you think about it? Uh, do you treasure it? Is it of value to you? Uh, to listen. Uh, that's finding someone that can, uh, a good teacher that can explain, that can help you uh, grow and understand uh, what God's wisdom is. Uh, parents, uh, a lot of times uh, I get questions in terms of how do I teach biblical principles to my kids? How do I help them as they grow older? And I used to get that a lot more when I was working with students, uh, but one of the things I learned when working with students is that uh, it's fantastic to ask students questions. We, we used to do this thing with our students in our youth ministry where we would basically just ask them questions, and it would start off with something very sim- simple. Hey, um, I like your shirt. Tell me about it. You know, uh, what, what's that? Why'd you pick that shirt? And they're like, because it's clean, right? And they, they'll, but they'll start off a process of what they like about that shirt. And basically what you do is you listen to that answer and you formulate another question based on that answer. And you kind of move from general things to spiritual things in your questioning. Where I found this really effective is in the car uh, with my kids because they can't go anywhere. You know, they're, they're stuck for however long we're driving. And so if I want to have a really good conversation with my kids, what I do is I open the center console and I say, okay, phone's in. And, you know, they put their phones in and we close it up. And then we just start asking questions. And, st- and, and, and let's be honest, some kids are easier than, that, than others. Tegan always wanted to talk like crazy. The boys, good, fine, yes. Yeah. It's hard to formulate another question off of that, right? And so uh, it takes a little more work to kind of work with the boys that way. But when I was driving Tegan to middle school all the time, she would, I would ask about her day, I would ask what happened with her friends, and man, she would just and talk about all this stuff. And then I would, I would hear things that kind of concerned me a little bit, you know? Well, so-and-so was at lunch, and they were talking about so-and-so. I'm like, really? How'd that go? What'd you, what'd you think about that? Well, I felt kind of funny listening to that like it wasn't right. I'm like, really, why? I don't know, I, I, I guess I just wouldn't want someone talking about me that way. Hmm, that's really interesting. So what do you think that tells us? Well, maybe I shouldn't talk about someone behind their back. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I think that's great. I, I, I tell you, asking questions does a lot more for the conversation than having lectures. Uh, I took my son, Ryland, to a soccer meeting yesterday in which the coach spent an hour going over nutrition. And I was like, I'm sitting there going, man, I wish I had this when I was younger. This was awesome. So many great things in here. And we're walking out of the building, and I can't wait to have a conversation with him. And he looks at me and goes, that was the most boring thing ever. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You, you just got, like, the keys to, you know, good nutrition and lifelong health and, and all this great stuff. And what? It's the most boring thing ever. I'm like, what would you learn from it? I learned that he's a boring speaker. 
Okay, but you know, what else did you learn from it? I don't know, we're supposed to eat good? Okay. And so we started having a conversation with that. But what I found is just a one direction conversation where I'm just speaking, I can see their eyes glaze over. But if I'm asking them questions, if I'm asking them to pay attention to what happens, I'm telling you, they're in. They're thinking about it. They're, they're processing it. They're having to respond. It was such a great learning for, for Tegan in, in that process. She would tell me, hey, so-and-so, you know, the, I, the, the rumor at school is that they were at this party and they were drinking. I'm like, well, what do you think about that? I don't know. It seems kind of silly. I'm like, well, okay. Is it something you want to do? No. Okay, fantastic. So, you know, what, what are you seeing happen from that? Ask them to observe. It's a great teacher for wisdom. And it's a great way to pull in biblical concepts in the conversation without feeling like you're lecturing them. Because I, you, you parents know, once you start going, right, they've heard your speech a thousand times, the eyes glaze over, the communication shuts down, but when you ask questions and you pull it out and you just, help, just make simple observations for them, it helps a ton. It helps a ton. So pay attention. Pay attention. Connect life with Scripture. Watch when someone runs after God. Watch what happens in their life when they apply some of the principles that he teaches in their word. Watch what happens in their relationships. Conversely, when they don't and they treat other people with contempt, watch how, it, how the interaction takes place. Watch what happens. And so the first thing of pursuing wisdom is to pay attention. Pay attention. Uh, not only that, uh, this scripture here tells us that we're to ask. We're to ask for wisdom. Verse 3, it says this. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, uh, we're supposed to be asking, Lord, I, I need wisdom. Can you help me with this? I need to know what's next. I need to know what step I'm supposed to take. I think a lot of us hit fall, and uh, life goes from 0 to 60, and sometimes it's hard to kind of think through, okay, where am I going? Where, what's God doing in my life? What, what's this season looking like? What are the, some of the decisions I need to make? What does God want for me here? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, and he'll give it to you generously, without reproach. Uh, if you've never asked God for wisdom, it's a simple prayer. Uh, Lord, your, your word says to ask for wisdom, and you'll give it to us. God, I need wisdom with fill in the blank, whatever the situation is. Lord, please. We must yearn for wisdom. So pay attention. Ask. Uh, the third verse here, the third if you, is the uh, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. And so not only are we to pay attention, not only are we to ask for wisdom, uh, we're supposed to search for it. Searching for something it requires effort. Uh, it requires a little bit of time. I was uh, out on vacation in, in, in my hotel room when I realized I've misplaced a $100 bill. And I'm going to tell you, I turned the hotel room upside down looking for that $100 bill. Because I had plans for it. There's something I wanted to do with it, and I no longer had it. And I didn't want to go to my bank and pull out another 100 because I knew I had 100 in here. Right? And all of a sudden, I looked at every pocket that I had. I pulled out every article of clothing out of my suitcase, out of my backpack, out of my, you know, turned my pockets inside out, looking for this thing. 
and I had outsmarted myself by putting it in you know, some secret compartment, but I eventually found it. But it took some time, right? It took some effort, but I searched after it. I tried. If you know you have something of value and you've misplaced it or you don't have it, you run after it, don't you? You, you, you stop down what you're doing and you go, okay, I need, to, I need to find this. This is what scripture says in terms of wisdom. Seek it like silver. Search for it as hidden treasure. Uh, we're supposed to run after it. Let me ask you this. When you're trying to figure out what do I do next or what do I do regarding maybe this topic or this topic, who do you run to for wisdom? Uh, do you go and do you ask your friends? Do you ask your coworkers? Uh, do you look for articles that agree with what you want to do on Facebook? Uh, do you read newspapers? Where do you go for wisdom? I, I used to tell my parents constantly, well, what do you mean I can't do this? So-and-so's parents are letting them do this. Well, their response was always, well, I'm not. So yeah, I'm not their parents. It's funny. Uh, I hated that saying as a kid, but I use it all the time as an adult. It's weird how that, that ends up working. The question that should be the first on our mind is simply this. What does God think of this? What does God think of this? Corinthians tells us that God's wisdom and God's thinking is a little bit different than ours. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18, it says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring about things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And so that, as it is written, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if on things of, of uh, weight, things that matter, that we could figure out, what does God think about these things? Uh, I had some time off this summer, and uh, I spent some time visiting some other churches. And it was interesting, all these churches that I went to and, and people that I visited they were all talking about wisdom. And I'm like, God, what are you trying to tell me? Every church I'm visiting is speaking about wisdom. And here's where I was convicted a lot this summer. A lot of times I make a majority of my decisions based on uh, basically what I have learned in the past, what I can remember, and this is a big one, what I want. And a lot of, the, a lot of times that drives my decision-making. You know, what I've learned, basically, my study of God's Word in the past, or the tradition that I grew up with, you know, we've always done it this way, or the family that I grew up in, uh, what I can remember, in other words, what I can recall at, at the moment, or what I want, my desires. You know, I can easily justify the things that I want. I'm, I'm reminded of the uh, movie Meet the Parents where uh, the main character was on his way home and he's in the, you know, the uh, airplane and he's trying to put his bag up there and it's not working and the stewardess is trying to talk him, hey, we got to check this thing. And that started, you know, in the beginning of the movie, the whole problems. And his response to her is this, I'm a person who has feelings and all I want to do is what I want to do. And all I want to do is hold on to my bag and not listen to you. 
And I feel like sometimes we, we come with these things in our lives and we look at God and we go, hey God, all I want to do is what I want to do. And what I want to do is not listen to you. Right? And it drives uh, the choices that we make. And here's what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us that what God has for you, what God wants for you, is even more than what you could imagine for yourself. What God desires for you. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, But as it is written, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of a man imagined. In other words, whatever you, your wildest dreams, the good that you can think for yourself, God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even uh, the depths of God. And so how do I search after this wisdom? How do I run after it? Uh, well, it'd be easy for me to just say this, hey, read your Bible, dig into it. But with the issue that you're facing, is there a better way than just starting in Genesis and reading to Revelation and writing down every time you hear the issue? Yeah, actually there is. Uh, you might sit there and go, man, I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, I was listening to um, uh, the pastor that I used to serve under in Dallas. His name's Pete. And uh, he was teaching, and, and he reminded me in his teaching of a process that I've learned long ago. And it was really encouraging to me. And I just, I'm going to share it with you this morning a little bit. How you take and find out what God says about certain things and, and how you dig into God's word. If you're looking at a certain topic, uh, one of the things you can do is, uh, in the olden days, we would probably take out a book called the Concordance. We would look up that topic, and we would look and, and, and find it, and then look at all the verses that are there, and then open our Bibles and go to those verses and write down what it says and figure it out, and, and just look at the whole Bible and figure out, okay, this is what, how God addresses the whole subject. Well, you could do that, or you could buy some uh, Bible software and kind of uh, type in whatever it is you're looking for, and all of a sudden, all the verses pop up. Or you actually have a free version that's on your phones and on your computer, a search engine like Google or Yahoo. And if you type in, hey, what does the Bible say about? Uh, a lot of times you're going to have some different articles show up where someone's arguing one thing or another. But somewhere in that list is going to be just this list of verses that talk about the subject. And so, for example, let's take one today. Uh, what does the Bible say about lying? Like, is it okay just to tell, you know, a couple lies here and there, but for the most part live truthful? Is it okay to, you know, say one thing, but live a little bit differently, kind of live a lie? Now, most of you are like, Tom, this one's a slam dunk. I, I've known this all my life. Uh, but just humor me. Let's go through kind of the process. And so this is what uh, I, I would do. I would take a sheet of paper, and I would look at it, and I would divide it into four quadrants. Now, you're about to see why... Uh, Mark loves putting me on the whiteboard uh, in front of everyone because, A, my handwriting's horrible and sometimes my spelling's off, but just go with me here. Uh, this is my piece of paper, and so I usually write it out even though my handwriting is bad. And so what I do is I just draw these lines, okay, and I make four sections. And, and the first one on the top of it, I write the word forbid. And the other side, I write the word endorse. My wife teaches second grade, and she's in here, and she's cringing at my writing right now. <clears throat> Down here in this quadrant, I write, endorse the opposite.
And over here, I write this. Change after the cross. See, the Old and New Testament are split up. And uh, there is a difference uh, in, in the way in which uh, God interacts with certain things after the cross. Uh, Galatians 3.22 tells us that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, but we're all one under Christ. A lot of the Old Testament, the ceremonial law, was separating uh, the Jewish people from uh, their neighbors so that uh, they would be set apart. And, and the cross changes that. And so there's certain things, certain ceremonial laws that are forbidden in the Old Testament uh, that are allowed after the cross because the cross uh, changes that moves us into the new covenant. And so when I'm doing this study, I want to look and say, is there anything that changes from some of the Old Testament references that I'm looking at uh, to the New Testament? So lying, you know, might have been no in the Old Testament, but maybe there's a couple cases where it isn't good in the New Testament. Probably not going to find that as we do this. <clears throat> but then what I do is I, I do a little search. And when I, did, when I typed in, what does the Bible say about lying, I came up with 50 verses. And the top 50 verses about lying. Now, I don't have all of them here. I parsed it down a little bit. But basically what I do is I look at those verses and I, I just read them. And I put them where they go. So Ephesians 4, 15 says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Okay, so does it go to forbid or endorse the opposite? What do you think? Endorse the opposite, yes. And so all I do is I write that reference here. John 14, 6 says this. Uh, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God is truth. I'm going to say that endorses the opposite. Uh, Psalm 34, 12 uh, who is the man who desires life and loves the length of days that he may say good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Well, it seems like he's saying not to do it there. Uh, Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth, each one. Uh, of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Seems like he's endorsing the opposite. We're just supposed to speak truth to each other. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. It says this, do not lie to one another. Okay. Uh, Exodus twenty sixteen. you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Leviticus 19, you shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. Are we seeing a pattern? Uh, <clears throat> Proverbs 14.5, a faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lie. This one can be in both. Titus 1-2, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, so God doesn't lie, 
Sorry. If I look at Hosea 3, it says this. With their wickedness, they make the king glad and the princes with their lies. Now, pretend I don't know about the context of Hosea, and I'm not really sure, but, you know, I'm a new Christian, and I've heard that they call Jesus king, so I'm a little confused by this one. So for the time being, because this is just an observation principle, I'm going to put it up here because it seems like he might be endorsing this one. Uh, Proverbs 12.22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. I could go on and on, but what you will find on this topic especially is that it's pretty much one-sided. It's pretty easy to figure out what God, how God feels about truth-telling, right, or about lying. Uh, it's, it's not a hard concept, and so when we look at it, we go, okay, so I'm just telling them this lie to, to you know, keep from hurting their feelings. Huh. Well, that's interesting. And so our first question should be, what, what does God think about this? Now, when I look at this, I'm stuck with this first, and I'm kind of wondering, well, that seems weird. This seems a little out of place. I wonder what's going on. And so we just look at the context a little bit. And as I go to Hosea and I read it, what I find is that he's not talking about Jesus as king. He's talking about Israel's neighbor. And as I read the verses in front of it and behind it, I figure out, oh, he's not happy with them about this. This is not a good thing. And so it's easy to go, huh, this seems bad, probably should be over here. And it makes it pretty easy. Now, how do we take and we apply this a little bit? Because uh, I'll be honest with you, there are some things that you're going to search up and that you're going to look at, and, you're, and there's going to be things in all four boxes. And you're going to have to go and do a little more research around the topic uh, and, and around the issue and kind of have some good conversation and pull out, man, what's he saying here? What's the context in which this is being said? And, and do some investigative work. Remember, searching after wisdom takes some effort, doesn't it? It, it takes some time. But imagine if we kind of applied this to our life group. Imagine if you're sitting in life group and you have a young college student that's in your life group and they say, hey, listen, I got a question. And I'm like, yeah, sure, what's your question? All right, so my girlfriend and I, we're thinking of moving in together. Uh, is that okay? What do you think? Now, you could easily have a speech for them and go, come on, man. No, you know, wh wh why? Well, because God's word says so. Well, Where? But imagine if you did this. Hey, that is a great question. Tell me a little bit more about it. How are you come into that thinking? Um, you know, who else have you asked for advice? Well, I asked my parents. Well, what would your parents say? Well, um, okay, so they, they, they're like old school go to church, and they're, they're not really for it. Uh, they're, they're not excited about it at all. They, they, they're kind of, you know, pushing us towards not doing that. I'm like, okay, great. Um, how about your friends? Have you asked any of your friends? Well, you know, I'm asking you guys now, but yeah, I've asked some people from work. Well, what do they think? Like, oh yeah, no problem. I mean, everyone else does it. Why not? It's, it's very simple. It's, and, and, you know, it, it, we could figure out if this thing works before, you know, it, we get together. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of torn. You know, my parents are no, and, and uh, these, these guys are saying yes. And I'm like, okay, what do you think? And they said, well, you know, I'm kind of looking at the financial standpoint. I mean, we're thinking about getting married, and this way, you know, we can cut down uh, the amount of money that we're spending and, and put some money aside and save it to, you know, buy a house later. And we think practically maybe this could be a good thing. Now, you could come down and say, hey, listen, here's what God's Word says and point it for them, and, which is totally legit. Or 
you can kind of ask them to do some work for it. Say, hey, listen, let's do this as a group. Let's take this topic. Let's look up verses on uh, marriage, uh, on purity, on intimacy, and, and let's find what you can find. We'll come back. We'll put up this sheet. We'll see what God's word has to say, and, and we'll have a conversation about it. Because all of a sudden, what you're doing is you're asking them to search a little bit. Uh, you're asking them to, if, if you recall, back in school, you probably remember more about the research projects you did than the lectures you got, right? And, and so if, if you're involving them in the process of learning, uh, this is a great thing. And you're letting the Holy Spirit uh, work through uh, his word and to teach them a little bit in this. Now, again, there's some topics that can come up that uh, that one's going to be a little one-sided, but there's some topics that can come up that, again, are going to require more conversation and more looking into and more um, interpretive work, uh, but you'd be surprised how many of them become very clear-cut as you look through the verses there. And so searching for wisdom, searching for what does God think on this requires some work. Uh, there's a little bit of price to pay to gain spiritual wisdom. It takes work. It takes focus. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. There's an even greater price to pay if we don't search after it, if we don't run after it. Uh, look where wisdom leads in this verse. There's two results. It's the next six verses. Uh, we see the two results. It's marked by the word then, and then he walks through uh, basically what the result is. The first result uh, focuses on... Um, uh, an understanding of God. It says this, result one, you will find God. Uh, verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord uh, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of the saints. And so the first reward of this diligence isn't just wisdom itself, but you find uh, God in it. Uh, you, you grow in the fear of the Lord. You grow to understand the character and the nature of God. When you look at our list of lying, uh, why don't we lie? Well, guess what? God doesn't lie. It's his character. It's his nature. And so as followers of him, uh, we surrender to him, and he enables us to live in this way. Um, Fear of the Lord, basically it embraces a whole range of emotion and affection which responds to the attributes of God. Uh, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable. Uh, he has wisdom and power, holiness, justice, goodness, truth, uh, righteousness, faithfulness, love. And, and we get to see him and, and it leads us to an incredible reverence of him. Uh, the knowledge of God that's talking about here, an actual the full expression can often be rendered to know God. It's not just knowing things about him or, or facts about him. It's to intimately know him. And so when we run after wisdom, it's kind of this cycle that it turns in where we get, to, uh, we get to understand who God is, develop reverence for him, and get to know him better, which then helps us develop more reverence for him, which then gets to know, help us know him better. It's this cycle that takes place when we run after wisdom. One of the gifts in here in verse 6 is that wisdom comes from God. Uh, the term here, from his mouth, most likely depicts God as the great teacher uh, working th uh, through this. So when you pursue wisdom, 
Not only do you get it, uh, you, you find God in it. The pursuit of wisdom leads us to God. It's pretty interesting when you look at this verse. It's, it's very similar uh, to the greatest commandment because it, it, it leads us to have this relationship with God. When you look at the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And so when we pursue after wisdom, it leads us to God. The second result is similar in that uh, it leads us to live in a way that influences towards righteousness. It leads us to, influ- to live in a way that influences towards righteousness. Look at verse 9. It says this, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Uh, this is reflected then in how we treat others, which the second commandment is very similar, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, when we pursue wisdom, when we live in that way, it's easier to treat our neighbors in that way. Uh, this past summer, the church um, granted me uh, a sabbatical, and I was, I've been uh, out for six weeks, and uh, incredibly gracious and incredibly thankful t- uh, to the elders and to the leadership for doing that. Uh, one of the things as I was preparing to go uh, was that I began to think through, okay, what exactly should be done on a sabbatical? I did some study. Uh, I also asked some uh, pastor friends who had gone on sabbatical before some of the great things that they had done and what they wish they had done more of. And one of the things that came back was I would love, you know, I, I took, a friend of mine took a day with each one of his kids and let the kid plan the day and then did whatever they wanted to do. And so I decided to do this with my uh, three kids. And the boys kind of figured out what each other wanted to do and were like, hey, could we just do all, both those things together? And I was like, mm, sure. Uh, but Tegan, Tegan's like, hey, Dad, I'd love to go kayaking. And I'm like, okay, we can totally go kayaking. That'd be fun. Uh, and so Nicole found this ad uh, across the state. It's like uh, luminescent kayaking. So it's at night, and there's reflective things in the water, and it's supposed to be so cool. And so I'm looking on this website, and they had this package that the staff totally recommends. It's first a sunset kayak tour, uh, and then you come back, and you rest, and you eat, and then you go on this luminescent tour. So I, I'm like, Tegan, we're going to drive across the state. What, what if we did this one? And she was like, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. So it was the day that the, the tropical storm came in here in Tampa, and uh, we decided, we drove across the state. We were a little worried about the weather, but, uh, you know, when the rain and stuff was over here, it was, a, it was beautiful over there. And so uh, Tegan's been kayaking before. I've been kayaking before. We've never been together. And uh, it, it, let's just say it wasn't the hallmark moment we were looking for. So we drive uh, the couple hours across the state, um, and we get to the town of Titusville, and then kind of go into uh, the wilderness area back there, and we pull into this little boat launch thing, and we're a little early, and we pull up, and the first thing she says is, man, this would be a great place to kill somebody. I was like, not sure how I'm supposed to take that. She goes, no, no, I didn't, I mean, this just feels like one of those places, like in a movie, that someone dies. I'm like, all right, (laughs) Let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, the rest of the people pulled up for this kayak tour, and, and we get out. And, and honestly, I didn't really pay much attention to some of the fine print. Like, I thought we'd have our own kayaks, but we got put in a tandem kayak. And you might be okay at kayaking. The person you're going might be okay at kayaking. But if you're not good kayaking together, it's a nightmare. And so we, we pulled out, and, and we get into the water, and the first thing we run into is a dolphin. I mean, we're like five feet offshore, and this dolphin comes out, and we're like, whoa, this is going to be awesome. Pull around the corner, and there's a ton of manatee, and we see that, and, 
As we head out then to this place called Bird Island, which you understand why it's labeled that once you get there. The amount of birds that live on this place is unreal. Uh, we pass an alligator that's kind of uh, out there, and so we've seen alligator, we see fish jumping, uh, we've seen birds, and it took us a while to get out there, but we're going with the current. We were probably the last kayak there, and we, we struggled a lot to get out there, but we finally got out there. We watched the sunset, and we start heading back, and now we're going against the current. And so what they said was the person in the back follow the person in the front. Now, this was extremely hard to do. I'm just going to tell you my side of the story. Tegan can tell you hers later. <laughs> but what happened was my daughter concentrates on the paddle. And so she, you're supposed to, you know, as you look out to where you're going, right, you're supposed to be doing this. Well, here's what she's doing. One, two, air ball. One, two, air ball. And I'm like, you know, I see us turning. I'm like, Tegan! We're not going in the right direction. Can you see this? And she's like, oh. You know, so every time I got to stop kind of with the current, pull, put my paddle in, straighten us out. So we stop all momentum, and then we start again, right? And we're going. And the people are getting farther and farther away from us as we're kind of like doing this whole thing back and forth. And this, this wonderful moment in the sunset is turning into me getting angrier and angrier and, go, and, and being like, she can't hear me because of the water and stuff. So I'm yelling a little bit louder because I need her to hear me. Like, Tegan, just one, follow, one, two, left, right, here we go, let's go. And finally, I've just about had enough, and I'm like, I'm about to say, Tegan, just put your paddle in the boat, and I'll take care of this, right? When I look, and off the corner is the guide, and he pulls up next to us, he goes, hey guys, how's it going? And I'm like, <laughs> you know how it's going. They're like 50 yards ahead of us. This is not cool. And he goes, listen, normally I let people take their time in this part, and it's really, you can kind of go at your own pace, and I notice you're enjoying the wildlife and stuff, and I'm like, you are so full of, <laughs> you notice that. You can see our faces. We're, we're not having fun here together, right? It's no good. And he's like, listen, there's a storm coming up, and so uh, he throws us a rope, and we tie it to the boat, and he gives us the, you know, the toe of shame. He tows us the rest of the way against the grain. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I had my son in the ocean, and we had no problems. You know, I know how to do this. What's going on? And so we pull up. He finally, he's like, don't worry. This is my free gym. It's no problem. I love doing this. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. So we get out, and we're supposed to have some water and then go back out kayaking, Right? And we're sitting in the car, and I just look at her, and, she, and I'm like, do you, want, do you want to go back out? She's like, oh, boy, can't wait to get yelled at more. <laughs> and I go, awesome. <laughs> she looks at me, she goes, you want to go back out? I'm like, no. <laughs> Start the car up, pull out of there, we're like, bye, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so kayaking wasn't really the thing. But here's what we noticed, and as we kind of evaluated, Tegan was telling me, she's like, I'm like, weren't you looking off in the distance as to where we were going? The land that was, wasn't moving. It was stationary. I'm like, didn't you? She's like, no, I just, I tried to make sure I wanted to get my paddle in the water. And I'm like, well, what were you looking at on the right side? Because it never hit. You know, kind of a thing. She's like, well, I, was, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. We do that in life, don't we? We get so busy with the immediate that all we're doing is we're looking at our paddle to make sure it goes into the water, and we're not looking at where we're supposed to be going. 
We're not looking at the immovable God, the unchanging God who has infinite wisdom that he has given to us in this book for right living. But we get so stuck. Or maybe we're like me in the back, and we're just following the person next to us, right? Two, two, zero, two, two. And, and we're just going way out. And we can't explain it because we're following everyone else, but we're not getting where we want to go. Brothers and sisters, for us, we need to pursue wisdom. We need to ask the question, what does God think about this? What does God want for us in this? We need to do the work and find those out so that we can surrender, so that we can go in the direction that God wants us to go. So he can move through us work through us in our communities and in our neighborhoods so we can give him glory. He's given us the tools. He's enabled us uh, to be able to surrender with his Holy Spirit. We just need to run after him and keep him in focus. Uh, Let me pray for us. Father God, you're word just tells us that if we need wisdom, uh, that we need to ask for it. And Lord, I know, there's no doubt in a room this size that there are people here that are wrestling with different issues. And God, uh, they're wondering what's next. Uh, Maybe they're watching their son or daughter make poor choices, and they're wondering, how do I help them? Uh, Maybe they are trying to figure out they're in a situation at work that they, just seems wrong and they're trying to figure out, how do I do this? How do I run after you? God, I don't know what's on the heart of each one here, but I know you do. Uh, Lord, speak into our lives. Help us to pursue you, to do the work to figure out what do you think about this and then to run full force in that direction. Uh, Lord, we love you, and uh, we are so thankful that you have uh, sent your son, Jesus, uh, who is wisdom, uh, who has died on our behalf so that we might have right relationship with you. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Amen.